Amen. Yeah. Wow, it's already been an incredible morning, right? Um, we get to celebrate one coming to know Jesus, right? There's nothing greater than that. We get to celebrate one returning to Jesus, right? Um, just beautiful. Thank you, Noah, um, for sharing your heart um, as the Holy Spirit has led you. Uh, super excited about that, the opportunity that we have as a body to pour into the next generation. Um, it's a family for a reason, right? We're one generation teaches the next generation that teaches the next generation. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, it's really easy to remember. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says that these words that I've entrusted to you entrust to faithful men who will entrust it to faithful men, right? And so there's to, there's to be this clear connection of this passing on from one generation to the next, the incredible works and goodness of the Lord. Psalm 145 is one of my favorite psalms. You don't have to turn there right now. Um, because we're going to be at the other end of the Bible. We're going to be at the Revel at Revelation. So, um, but just know that it's one of my absolute favorite psalms, Psalm 145 by the psalmist David. Um, I tried to come up with some clever way to incorporate this today. I'll just be honest. Like, and everything that I did seemed like a stretch, and it was just going to come off hokey. So let's just go ahead and acknowledge this big old platform that is here and that we got the mold off of the ceiling, praise Jesus, after five years, we got mold off the ceiling, and yours truly did hang on it on Thursday afternoon, right? There were no sirens, so you didn't hear anything on North Street, so praise the Lord, he kept me safe. But I will say this, I've been on lifts, I've been on a ton of scissor lifts in my life, right? There's nothing like this thing. Woo! You talk about not feeling secure on the top of that, right? Okay, no one called... Never mind, I'm not going to say it. Um, I don't know if I'm being recorded, which I am being recorded, so i got to be careful what I say, right? Yeah, no trigger words for that. So anyway, um, we, we, our hope is that, um, and thank you to our elders who uh, helped, um, you know, not only are they over the spiritual affairs, but they also are, are good to replace electrical outlets, by the way, as well. Thank you, Brian uh, and Ricky. Um, and it looked like a true city job, I have to say, this past week. Brian's up on the top of the rafter because he just shimmied on up there, because he used to be a lineman, right? So he knows, right? And then Ricky and I and Dennis are just, and Sam, we're just, yeah. Yep, it looks good to me, right? So it was one of those kind of jobs this week. And uh, then on Thursday, of course, that was fun, getting up and cleaning it. So I have no great spiritual illustration to tie this in. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Maybe you will come up with one in the course of today's message, okay? Then you can share that with me, right? So the message, the, the, the opening illustration that I do have is, anybody played football? A few of you, right? Anybody ever been at the bottom of a dog pile? You know what that is, right? Right? Okay. Get a tackle, and you know when you see a fumble happen. Oh, boy, right? When the ball, when the ball gets stripped loose, it's like everybody dives in, right? How many of you know what happens at the bottom of a dog pile? Who wants to confess what happens at the bottom? No one wants to talk about what happens, right? Because it's, it's game on under there, right? But what's happening is people are layering on and on and 250 pounds, 200, 300 pounds, and the guy at the bottom is getting squished. And he's usually a buck 50, right? Because he's the defensive back who, who helped strip the ball, and he's on the bottom, and then you've got all the linemen and everybody else. And as I was thinking of today's message, I was like, how can I give you a visual illustration, uh, because by the way, I've been the buck 50 defensive back on the bottom of the pile, right? And again, that's not a place that you want to be, okay? If you're on a dog pile, you prefer to be on the top, 
the big guy who comes and jumps over the top, right? That's what you want to be, not the little guy on the bottom getting pressed. But as we look at the church of Smyrna today, the church that we're going to talk about, the letter from Jesus to the church, is, is one of persecution, and he uses the word tribulation. And literally, literally, the word, the Greek word for there for tribulation is to be pressed, pushed with great pressure. So you can think of the bottom of a dog pile. You can think of something with incredible tension and pressure. That is what the church of Smyrna is experiencing. The church of Smyrna, this letter to them is uh, the shortest letter that Jesus writes in the letters uh, that we find in Revelation 2. And then also, it happens to be one of two letters where there is no rebuke. There's only, com- there's only commendation and support and strengthening and saying, hey, I am with you. So let's pick it up at Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. In the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are, that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, let uh, will not be hurt by the second death. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we love you and we seek you today, God. Lord, we have read uh, your written revelation as recorded uh, through the Apostle John to the church of Smyrna, but we know that you have a word for us today. We know that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, as the writer of Hebrews records God. And so we know this to be true today, and we also know uh, that we cannot understand unless, Holy Spirit, you enlighten us. So, God, we come humbly today and ask that you would enlighten our minds, that we may understand what you want us to understand today. And would you give us a heart willing to obey, O God, empowered by your Spirit. We ask this in the authority and in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so what we see here is a very short letter, not much uh, in terms of uh, in length, but there, there's, he's saying a lot. He's saying, hey, I know you are going through it as a church. Like, you are really going through it, and, and they are. And he's even identifying who is behind the tribulation. Now, this is where it can get sticky sometimes, right? Where it gets sticky sometimes is... Okay, so you've always, you hear a lot of this, and we've got to be careful with this, but I want to, I want to teach it um, in a holistic manner today. You, you've heard, you know, right, the devil made me do it. You've heard that phrase, right? Or, oh, that old devil, I tell you what, he is just always up to something. He is always working an angle. He's always doing that. We have to be careful as, as the body of Christ to give Satan more credit than he's due, okay? And by the way, you become what you behold. Okay, I'm not saying that if you're always quoting that, you're beholding that, but what I'm saying is you're making mention of his name over and over and over and over, okay? That's kind of like making much of him, all right? Now, that does not negate spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God, okay? And we'll get there. Everybody with me? 
but we do not need to elevate Satan's status by speaking of him all the time. Agreed? Makes sense? We need to be aware of the wiles of the enemy. We need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy, right? But we need to make sure that we are not elevating. And so, but here's what happens. Jesus says, you're undergoing this incredible persecution, this young, small church in Smyrna. You're undergoing this incredible persecution. But here's the deal. I'm letting you know that Satan's behind it, okay? Jesus calls calls out and says, I see it for what it is. And he informs us. I think this letter really is instructive to us on how to deal with evil. First thing I want you to do that you can write down is we call it out. We call it out. We call evil evil, right? Okay? Now look at this particular situation. There's evil inside the church. Look at it. It says, I know your tribulation, your poverty, and the slander of those that say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So you had Jewish, Jewish people who are claiming to be true Jews, and they are slandering the people of Jesus. Okay? Now, what we don't know is, were they attending the fellowship? Were they, were, were, what, what was going, what was their interaction? Was it people interacting with synagogue, and then the believers were going to synagogue, Jewish Christians, you know, those who had come to faith in Christ, and, and we don't know the exact, which group was interacting with which group here, but Jesus is clearly calling out and saying that those who claim to be Jews are not and are a synagogue of Satan. Would you and I agree that those are very strong words? And again, let's be very careful. <laughs> Before you call someone out and say, the devil's working through you, you better be absolutely sure that you have been prayed up before you make that kind of a statement. In fact, you should only be making that kind of statement when you are in the spirit. You, you hear me? Because you're dealing with heavy, dangerous stuff. When you level an accusation, that's not something we just throw out flippantly. We just don't say, well, you, you know, Satan has entered into you, right? We, we, don't, we don't do that. But we must call out evil for evil. We must call out and we must confront, right? And of course, in the body of Christ, if it's a fellow believer, Paul is very clear in Ephesians how we are to deal with fellow believers. He, he's very clear that we are to restore gently, that we are to speak the truth in what? In love. Would we agree that the missing ingredient in so many churches today is love? We're so quick to call out. We're so quick for friendly fire. But we, we don't know how to disagree, and we don't know how to speak the truth in love, do we? This is difficult. But Jesus says, hey, these, th these Jews who are claiming to be Jews, they are saying awful things. And by the way, this is very really affecting the, Smyr the Smyrna Christians because more than likely they're spreading things and it's affecting their livelihood as believers to where they probably can't make a living because they, it says not only that, it says also your poverty. So not only do we have this incredible tribulation, which we know some of that is slander of those who are claiming to be Jews, but we also have that it's probably causing poverty in this church. How many of you know you want to see the real true colors of people, you start to take away their pocketbook. You want to start to see the real colors of people, you start affecting their lifestyle via their economic capability. Yeah? Yeah. 
And, and that's what's happening right here. And Jesus is saying, what does he say? In verse 10, do not fear. But before that, I want you to see that not only do we need to call it out, but we need to, secondly, you can write this down, we need to see situations, confrontations, we need to see tribulations, we need to see it from the spiritual perspective. We are to see it spiritually. You can write that down. We are to see it spiritually. We see this epic battle of the cosmos, and we see that, that we are not warring against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness, Ephesians 6, 12. Paul says this, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The problem is when we're dealing with the family of Jesus, when we're dealing with each other, and we're dealing with the lost world, we're dealing with human faces, aren't we? We're dealing with human faces that are projecting an evil idea. And where it's so difficult for us in the family of Jesus is to love people with the love of Jesus, but seeing spiritually what's going on. That, that there, there's a battle in the cosmos. There's a battle that has been raging from beginning, right, when, when Satan fell, right? And we don't have time to get into all that. Maybe we can, right? Uh, but not today. But from when Satan fell, and we have this good versus evil. And this is going on. And this is continuing. And it has not stopped. And so we need to see things from a spiritual perspective that we are not warring against the human face that we are talking to. We are not warring. We're warring against the idea that comes against God. And this is where the church has not been left defenseless. What did Jesus say with Peter's confession? Remember that? Matthew 16, right? Who do, you, who do people say that I am, Peter, right? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, come back, right, right? And some others are great prophet, right? And then, then Jesus looks squarely at Peter and he says, but who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What was Jesus' reply? He said, upon this confession, I will build my, by the way, this is the first time that Jesus mentions this word, church. I will build my church, ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Catch that? We are in an offensive posture, not a defensive posture. The gates of hell will not prevail against the offense of the ever-expanding kingdom of God. Elsewhere, Jesus says, he talks about violently taking hold of the kingdom. Now, pastor, what are you saying? Are we saying we should gather up arms and, 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 and get the machetes and all that? That's not, no, and Jesus wasn't saying that either. But he's saying that you should, that you should have such an intentionality and focus about extending the kingdom of God. And so we see that we are the church of Jesus, and we have incredible power. I don't even, we don't even have time to get into all the incredible verses, but we can look again at Ephesians 1 to see the amazing things. We've been seated in the heavenly places. We've been given uh, authority from Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us, right? And so we are not left alone. We have power. And I don't know if you realize this, but Satan detests the church. Satan detests the church, and he will do whatever it takes to infiltrate the church as he was doing at Smyrna. 
Anybody ever heard of C.S. Lewis? Screw tape letters? Anybody ever read screw tape letters? So screw tape letters is this, this book by C.S. Lewis where um, it's, it's, it's basically the head demon and a junior demon. And they're interacting and they're talking about how to overtake a Christian and how to overtake the church. And, and in fact, uh, they're having this one interaction, and he actually says, um, the junior demon says to the senior demon, hey, it's, it's really good that the church doesn't truly realize who they are. He says, that's really good for us. And, and, and Screwtape, the head demon, says, absolutely. He says, for in reality, she is spread out through all time and space, rooted in eternity, and terrible as an army with, ba- with banners. And this makes the demons tremble. See, if we were to truly realize as the church of Jesus the incredible power that upon upon this confession I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If we were to truly understand that the demons shake and shudder at the thought that the church could truly get that and understand that. So we have to see the battle as a spiritual battle. Let me just pause right here and say, whoever you're in conflict with right now, whoever you're in controversy with, whatever tribulation you're going through, it's not just the human face that you see. That's not who your war is with. Your war is with the principalities of darkness, okay? And that's not giving him more credit. That's dealing with reality of the spiritual situation. Thirdly, there's another, there's another thing we can observe here is we need to remember who Jesus is. In light of this evil, in light of this spiritual conflict, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, what does the first verse say? It says right there, in the, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, what is Jesus saying? He says, to the, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, he's saying of himself, he's saying, I'm the first and I'm the last and I defeated hell, death, and the grave. And how many of you know that we always need a reminder of that, right? We've talked about identity and spiritual amnesia, and in core classes that we're about to start, which I'm super excited about, on February the 5th, we're starting with the identity of God because it all is foundational and starts upon who God is and how he has revealed himself to his people. That's where it starts. That's the foundation. If you don't have that firm foundation, you need that firm foundation, And so we see here that Jesus, once again, is revealing himself to the persecuted church, and he's saying, I am the first and I'm the last. Basically, I'm Lord over time, and I am the life giver, and I am the overcomer. We need to remember who Jesus is. When we are encountering a difficult situation, a tribulation, when we are being pressed I told someone this week, I said, you need to remember who you are in Christ. In fact, there's not a week that goes by that I don't say this to somebody. Remember who you are in Christ. Ephesians 1, right? John 15, John 10, right? And so we need to remember that. And, and, and we need to remember that we will have trouble. In fact, John 16, many of you probably know that passage. In this world, you will have trouble. Same, same word here, tribulation, intense pressure, intense squeezing. You will have trouble, but take heart. You know what that means? Literally, it means let a smile come to your face. 
literally bring a smile to your face because why? Because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Does that bring a smile to anybody else's face? And so we see that we need to remember who Jesus is, but also we need to, you can write this down, respond with courage. So what's our response to this evil, to this tribulation that we are going through, to this pressure and to this persecution? By the way, let me just put this little caveat in real quick. It is very tempting to say in our culture and in our day that this is the worst that it's ever been. You look at the church of Smyrna and the intense persecution that's going on here, it's not even close. This is their very livelihoods and lives, and Jesus is saying some of you are going to lose your life very shortly and very quickly. So how are we to respond in light of this? We are to respond with courage. What does he say in verse 10? He says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Over and over throughout Scripture, every time that God reveals himself, there is the do not fear. When he reveals himself to humanity, do not fear, right? Go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. 400 years, we have not had a word from the Lord. We call this the intertestamental period, right? Okay, and between that time, there is no prophet, Among the people, there is no word from the Lord. And do you know what the very first words are that come out of the angel Gabriel's mouth after 400 years of silence? Do not fear. Then he goes on to Mary. And what does he say? Do not fear. Then he goes to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. And what does he say? As the angels and the host of angels are among them, do not fear. And then as Jesus is walking out on the water and Peter calls out and sees him, and what does he say? Do not fear. Over and over he says, do not fear. But what's our first reaction? Fear, right? Because that's the human reaction. The human reaction, when we see something that is greater than ourselves or when we feel that we are out of control or that a situation is out of our control, what is the reaction? And Jesus comes and says, do not fear, because I am with you. In fact, he says, continuing on, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, and you may be tested for 10 days. Um, You will have tribulation. That's a specific time and number. But he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And lastly, we need to remember that we need to refuse to listen to another voice. We need to refuse to listen to another voice. If you'll notice that every one of the closing of these letters, he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Every one of these, he who has an ear to hear, Let him hear what the Spirit says. John 10, Jesus speaks of this extensively. In John 10, verse 4, he says, When he has brought all 
out all his own. He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will flee from him because they do not recognize his voice. The true sheep know the shepherd's voice. Amen? I think one of the biggest battles for us today as believers is the number of voices that we let into our mind. And there's no shortcoming of voices today. There's no shortcoming of posts and threads and, and, and uh, notifications that come up on this so-called thing we call a smartphone, right? There's no shortness of that. There's an abundance of voices. There's a plethora of voices. So, so, but there is this still small voice who calls us to himself and says, I am the good shepherd. And I've talked about this before. You don't get to John 10, 10, right? John 10, 9 and 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You don't get to abundant life apart from the shepherd's voice. You have to follow the shepherd's voice, right? And guess what? The shepherd is there with you. He is there and he will protect you, but it does not mean that you will not go to uncomfortable places. It does not mean that you will not experience persecution. It doesn't mean that you won't be ridiculed, lied about, slandered about. This is why when we convey the gospel message of salvation, we must convey the hard words of Jesus as well, that if anybody wants to follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. We can't escape those hard words. We must convey those hard words so that people know. Following Jesus cost this church dearly. It wasn't a walk the aisle for them. It wasn't a sign the paper for them. It was literally life and death for the Smyrna Christians. Literally, it meant their livelihood. It meant maybe not even knowing where their next meal, or if they, of dying even of starvation, if they weren't died by an enemy, if they weren't killed by an enemy. So it was very, very real to them. But Jesus, in these words, has no rebuke for this persecuted church. He knows what they're going through. He sees what they're going through. And he says, I am with you. I think of the psalmist who says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You know that one? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And hey, if you belong to Jesus, you're righteous. So you say, is that me? Well, if you belong to Jesus and you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus and you've repented of your sin and you've surrendered your life to him, then you belong to him and you are in the family of Jesus. Amen? So the promise is that the righteous will never be forsaken, which means that he will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Isn't that good news? So that no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're pressed, another another way of this tribulation, do you know how our Lord was pressed in the garden of Gethsemane? Literally, he's in an olive grove. And do you know how you get olive oil? Through intense pressure of an olive. And while that That is the backdrop of while Jesus is crying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Tribulation. 
pressing. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Guess what? The Father comforted the Son. The Father said, I am with you. The Father said, it is my will, but it's my love. For God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. So Jesus knows persecution. Jesus knows suffering. Jesus knows tribulation. Let us respond by taking heart, by being courageous, by remembering who Jesus is, and by refusing, violently refusing, with intentionality in our life to listen to any other voice but the shepherd's voice. Amen.